Uh, welcome to this uh, special episode of the Cobra Cast uh, for an Anzac Day special. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Ricky the Prez Logan or Rifty, and to my left is my co host, Ricky Etdog Etridge, the VP. Uh, how's it going, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. How'd you uh, go with your dawn service out on the street today? Yeah, mate, jumped up about 10 to 6 and got Kelly out of bed and walked out there and listened to it all and how we should have done since unavailable, unavailable to go to the dawn service, unfortunately, this year. But, yeah, it is a little bit of a different feel to it, having, you know, not having a proper dawn service with, you know, all the people there down at the uh, the memorial and stuff, isn't it? Sort of, uh, it's got a bit of an eeriness to it, doesn't it? A bit different. Yeah, very much so. Like normally, yeah, you know, I go to the dawn service every maybe two years. So to not even have that option this year and knowing that I was getting up to walk to the enemy driveway is very different. And even just the TV coverage this morning, normally you're watching the marches and all that. And it was literally just people talking about their time in the army, just very, very different. And also the fact that there'll be no Essendon to watch this afternoon. I would normally say it's a bad thing, but we'll probably get beaten, so it's not the end of the world, I guess. Yeah. Well, they're always a cracking game and always a, a good occasion. And I think the AFL does a great job. But uh, one of the more disappointing things is we had plans of doing a bit of an Anzac Day round ourselves, which unfortunately we haven't been able to do. So instead, we've uh, got a guest on that's actively serving in the military and was a former player of ours and he just also happens to be my younger brother and that's uh corporal daniel logan welcome mate what's going on uh not a lot not a lot just uh yeah uh, you know trying to make the most of our time stuck in isolation how about yourself uh yeah pretty much just you know working hard on my course and trying to make the best of things uh, not being able to leave base, thing like things like that. Um, trying to keep up fitness. That it really. Yep, no worries. So before we start getting into your your army career, um, let's talk about your bit of about your football career and your time at Sandown. And um, yeah, so how long did you play football for, and and where? Uh well. I didn't really have much of an AFL career before I went to Sandown. It was all just junior footy um, and played for Sandown um, with yourself, obviously. I um, only played the one season, though, because obviously I joined the Army at the end of that year. Um, but it was a good season, though. I enjoyed playing at Sandown. Um, got a run in the thirds mostly, but got a chance to play in the seconds and the and the ones as well. But, um, you know, managed to pull away some with some awards at the end of the end of the season, which was pretty good. It was a bonus as well, but you know, it was a very short-lived career, I guess. Yeah, so um, I'm glad you mentioned the award. We'll, uh, let's, let's talk a bit about that one for a second there. So do you want me to say how I remember it happening or you want to go first about how you remember it? Oh, you can you can talk about how you remember it if you want. <laughs> I then want Dan's version of this, the events as well. Thank you. Well, all right. So he wins the award for best finals player. Okay, so let's 
we'll get that out straight away. So we've played we've played our first final. I've had an absolute dominant game on uh, on all fronts of just up, coming off the half back. I'm setting up play here, right? You know, left, right, and center. I'm stopping goals. I'm doing everything. I've had a blinder. On two cards, I get the three votes. On one card, some bastard gives me only two. Give someone else a three. This mongrel, he gets, you know, a one vote on one card, maybe a one on another card. Gets a couple little measly votes. So he gets, you know, he finishes on about four votes for the game. I've got eight, but I should add the nine. The next game, I was spent from the first one. I've got cleaned up, so my, I'm cooked. Second game, I can barely run. So I, I don't put in my best performance. And, you know, it's fair to say we got a pretty outclassed in that next game. But this guy, he, you know, he has another sort of consistent sort of performance. So he gets a couple more votes. So it comes vote count night. And uh, after they've read out the votes for the first game, I'm sitting on eight votes. The next closest is, you know, four votes, whatever. The boys are all pushing me. Ah, oh, you got it in the bag. It's yours. You've won it. Don't worry about it. And uh, so then they read out the next votes and they've, they've read the votes. And because everyone's cheering me on, oh, you've won it. You've won it. And big Russian, he's pushing me up the front. And they read out my name. They go, and uh, the winner on nine votes is Ricky Logan. So I go up there. I get the trophy and I look at it. I go, it says Daniel. And they look at the votes and this, he goes, oi. You're holding my bloody trophy. Give it in. <laughs> so he pipped me at the line. He got one vote on the last card of the day and put him to nine votes for the total and uh, pipped me by one vote, the bastard. Uh, well, all I can say is, you know, consistency is key. <laughs> How do you remember them two matches, Dan? Similar to him or a little bit different? Uh, I remember he had a pretty good first game. Um, I remember that much. Um, I remember he dominated. Yeah, that definitely wasn't an exaggeration. See, there um, you go. It's, it's but about time at the end of the day. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, at the end of the day, I, I still, yeah, I think I had pretty consistent in both games. Um, I mean, we beat Dufton in the first game, and then we lost against who was it? Fucking Mount Waverley. Um, Mount Waverley. Yeah, we got yeah. dominated by Mount Waverley um, in the second game, but. Um, you know, still played played pretty consistently. So I think that's what it was all about at the end was consistent finals player. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right, all right. So what, what was the standout moment, highlight of your time at Sandia for yourself? Um it was a long time ago, so yeah, it was it was over ten years ago. Um, yeah, I can't really remember too many sort of standout moments. I mean, um, I'm gonna guess by pipping your brother for best finals player, by well, right yeah, up. that that was probably the most memorable thing, I think. Um, um, yeah, mainly that was probably the, the thing I remember the most is obviously that uh presentation night, but um. Yeah, in terms of playing games, like um, I remember Andrew Miller, he just dominated pretty much every game. 
Um, so it was, a sh- you know, it was a shame he didn't play the entire season to be able to get best and fairest. Um, but I'm pretty sure he was pretty close up there with best and fairest anyway, even though he only played like probably half the season. Um, but yeah, in terms of memorable moments in games itself, I remember getting getting pinged for punching someone and get in a game or something. I think. Um, I think Willow was the was the umpire as well. Um, who pinged me for it? <laughs> um, but apart from that, I can't really remember too much in terms of um, games. Oh, well, so you mentioned a couple things there. Willow, who was a long-time friend of our old man's, and um, he's sort of the reason we we both ended up down at the club. Um, and we got the opportunity to play not only alongside him but our old man at the same time, and a couple of the old boys that that we actually, you might not even really remember, but we watched them play Masters down there at uh, Edinburgh Reserve for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I remember those. And I remember that, rocking up to Sandown to play for them. I was just like, I've been here before. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you've, you've sort of mentioned one bloke already, but and it's probably fair to say it'll be your answer, but who was the best player you played with at Sandown? Um, it was, I'd have to say it was, it was probably Andrew Miller. Um, but in terms of, you know, he didn't really play that much, um, that season when I played, um, but, you know, Matthew Jolly is definitely up there. Oh, Even geez. Dicko. Um, we'd cut this out um, where's Rifty? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt, Jolly was a consistent player. Um, you know, and, and even Jew, you know, he was a good player as well. Um. They were probably oh, they're probably the main main people I remember playing with, in terms of you know good players. Yeah, nice. I'll I let that. Uh, I can see now, Rifty. Um, Matt Jolly at about eight o'clock tonight will be on our pages saying you can just call me Mister Consistent at Sandown now. Yeah. Another nickname to add to the twenty he's already given himself. Oh Jesus! He'd be saying, "Oh look, see, I was the best player ten years ago and still going." So. <laughs> Picture it now. Yeah, well let's uh let's talk a bit about your army time and uh Ed Dog's got a couple of questions for you. Yeah, so you said you you only played the one year at Sandown because you then went to the army. How long have you been in the army for? Uh so my enlistment date is twenty seventh of October two thousand nine. Um so I guess you could say this is my tenth year and I'll tick over eleven years in October this year. Um and yeah, I've played for a couple of different clubs since joining the army, but it's just, it's just not the same. Yeah, I mentioned before we uh, jumped on that you've got the old school polo on, and I absolutely was impressed and loved the fact yep. that it's just so simple to find for you out there. Yeah, this uh, this polo shirt is definitely never too far away from me. Um, it's always my go-to shirt in terms of trying to, um, I don't know look a little bit classier than I normally would. It's definitely a you know, perfect going out shirt, I would have thought. Yeah, it's a, it's a shirt for all occasions. Exactly right. What motivated you to join the Army? Um, I don't know. There's probably a couple of reasons. Um, it was never really like uh, I wanted to join the Army, be a soldier from you know from a young age. And I think if, if that had been my motivation, I probably would have joined at 17. Um, 
but the, I think the main reason was, you know, just felt like I needed to serve my country. Um, and it was a it was a way to get out of the job that I was in as well to be able to experience new things and and um, get out of my comfort zone a bit. Uh, I like it. You're a much bigger man than me because I would never dare to do what you're doing right now. Um, obviously, the first handful of months you do your training and it's fairly rigorous from what I've been told and heard. What was the hardest part in that training for you? Um, I think it was the uh, the mental um, side of things. Like the physical side of things wasn't too bad. Um, I think the main thing was just you know not being used to being yelled at constantly, um, you know, ridiculed. Um, it, now that I look back on it, I kind of realise that it was for a purpose. Um, I think it has made me into a better better person um, at the end of the day. Um, but you, you just kind of take that sort of thing with a grain of salt and just sort of, you know, get through it. Um, so you got a, ch- a chance to see what it was like on the other side of that the last couple of years, being a recruit instructor. Um, how do you feel that was sort of different, not, you know, being on the other side of it and, and, and having to sort of, rec- you know, train the recruits instead of being the one on the side of copying it? Um, yeah, it was definitely a different experience. Um, and it's, it's an experience that I'd, I'd probably hold dear for a long time. Um, you know, being able to train the next generation of, of Australian soldiers. Um, but the main thing that I wanted to really go into that job with was I didn't want to be that recruit instructor that just, you know, treated it as this is how I was treated. So that's how I'm going to treat, you know, new recruits. Cause at the end of the day, they've volunteered just like I did to, you know, serve our country. And, you know, they're, they're there for a reason They they're not there to, you know, be put down or, they're there for a job, you know, and um, at the end of the day, new generation of people, you know, they don't have um, the resilience, I guess, is what people earlier would. Um, so being treated like that is definitely not going to have the same results uh, as what it would have back in the day. Um, so I, I always had the mentality of, you know, um, treat the recruits like how I would have liked to have been treated. Um, even though I feel like it made me a better man, but at the same time, you know, you've got to change with the times as well. And, um, you know, try to actually train these recruits rather than just force them to do something that they're not actually capable of. Yeah, no, it's, Definitely understandable with the um, you know, moving along and changing with the times. It seems to be a pretty solid um, thing across the entire world within a footy club and obviously the army. Uh, so you said this is your 10th year in the army. Um, I sort of know through stories through Rifty that there's quite a bit of moving around and you've had to do that. How does it affect your personal life with the amount of moving from base to base in the army? Uh, well, 
when I first joined, uh, obviously it was just me. I was single at the time. Um, so it didn't really, didn't really affect my personal life at all. Um, you know, I went from obviously Victoria and then off to my training in Wagga and then Singleton for um, my initial employment training and then went up to Townsville in Queensland. So I went from pretty much one extreme to another. Um, but then once I got to Townsville, I was pretty much there for, you know, the, the next eight years of my career. Um, obviously, I had things in between in that eight years. You know, I, I went to Malaysia and I got to go overseas on training exercises. I got to um, go to Papua New Guinea and uh, do Kokoda Track, which was uh, an incredible experience. Um, and then going on courses and stuff like that has is, is obviously uh, affected me a lot more once I actually met my wife um, and it was no longer just me by myself anymore. Um, when I was single, obviously it didn't mean really anything. Uh, it wasn't really until you know, I met my wife where um, it actually meant something a lot more to have to go away and you know, have something and someone to go back to um, at the end of it, you know, being able to actually cope with that separation as well. And, and, but also, you know, having something to look forward to, to get back to as well. Yeah. Nice. So, um, your lovely wife up at home with the, the little menagerie of animals you have. Um, I know she'd be happy to have you home soon. Um, but, also, how many? So how, you mentioned Malaysia, Papua New Guinea, um, and they were sort of training and things like that. But what? Are, how many tours have you done, and sort of where have you gone to? Uh, well, the only um, tour of proper, you know, deployment that I've done is is obviously to Afghanistan, uh, which I did in, in two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen. Um, you know, eight month period, which was, you know, it, it, it was the highlight of my career realistically. Um, I got to spend the, the hundred year anniversary of Anzac Day uh, in Afghanistan itself, um, which is probably one of the highlights of my career, um, being able to do that and hearing a, you know, a Turkish general recite the Johnny's and Mehmet's um, poem in Turkish, which was translated to English as well. Um, was definitely a you know, a haunting sort of experience. Um, I've never experienced goosebumps when listening to a poem or hearing the last post like I ever have when I when I was in Afghan for Af uh, Anzac Day. Yeah, all right, nice. Um, so you've sort of said, you know, you the highlight of your time in the army was over in Afghanistan, you know, during that hundred year anniversary, which is, uh, you know, would have been something pretty special to be a part of. Um, and, you know, at the time before that, you probably didn't even realize you were going to be there at that time. Um, because, you know, with the army, you sort of, you go on one day, you go on the next day, you're not. And it's, you know, um, so yeah, getting to to experience that would have been something pretty special. But um, 
Let's talk about sort of your thoughts on Anzac Day uh, before joining the army and and how it it changed since serving. Uh, well, before I joined the army, um, I didn't really. I obviously knew what the what Anzac Day meant and the um, obviously the seriousness behind it, but it never really hit home or really meant really meant anything to me until I actually joined the army and, and you know had to experience an Anzac Day from you know the other side, not just as a civilian, but you know as a serving member. Once you once you're a serving member, it just has that extra meaning to it. Um, you know, just experiencing an Anzac Day with my mates that are also serving as well um, just makes it mean that so much more. Um, you know, being able to talk to each other about shared experiences and and even experiences away from each other as well, stuff that we've probably never even heard of or even really talked about because, you know, those sorts of things aren't really spoken about very easily. So, um, you know, once I joined the army, those, those things just meant a hell of a lot more to me. Yeah. Right. And, um, we, uh, had, you know, family served and you have our, is it our great grandfather's medals that you wear? Yep. Uh, proudly on Anzac Day, or do you wear them all the time when you're in your um, your full get-up? I don't know what's it called. <laughs> Uniform. Uh, so I can only wear those medals on um, on my suit on Anzac Day. Yep. Um, I can't actually wear those medals on my uniform. Um, my uniform's reserved for my for my own medals. Um, I can't actually wear great grandfather's medals. Yeah, and so do you know, because oh, you obviously know a bit more about them than I do, but do you know what the our great-grandfather's medals were for and what they represent? Uh, for the most part, they're all for the same thing, realistically. Um, there's only three medals, but they're all for, um, you know, World War One. Uh, they're pretty, the same common medals that anyone that served in World War One. Um, receives um, and they, they all say 1914 to 1918 on them um, so yeah there's just three medals for pretty much just the, the three campaigns essentially for World War One. Yep and uh, so what about you at Dog have you had any family members that have served in the military? Uh, not too many the real only one from my family that served in the army was back in World War One, actually, and he was uh, from the reports that we've been told from our family history, he was only I think sixteen or seventeen on his burial plaque. It says nineteen, but obviously that wasn't true. And he was actually one of the first ones off the ship at Gallipoli on Anzac Day. So he's buried at Lone Pine in Gallipoli, Turkey. So that's probably the only real uh, family member or someone in my family that we know about that has served in the army. Yeah, so it's, um, you know, I think all across Australia, there have been many people that have stories of their great 
grandparents or grandparents that have served in the uh, military and unfortunately many did lose their lives. This year, Anzac Day, as we mentioned earlier, is very, very different to other uh, past ones. What is the build-up to Anzac Day like normally while when you're in the Army? Um, yeah, some years is different. Um, well, depends on the unit. Um, you know, a lot of the times it'll be, you know, trying to set up for, you know, a big ceremony or, or a dawn service or something like that. Um, if not running our own unit dawn service, it'll be, you know, doing a march in a city somewhere. Um, but yeah, this, this year there was really very little information in terms of what we'd actually be doing uh, for Anzac Day. I mean, I remember asking a few weeks ago, you know, what are we doing for Anzac Day? But no one actually knew what we were actually doing. Um, the only thing they could tell us is oh, driveway, um, balcony sort of dawn service. Um, but yeah, that, and that's what we ended up doing, just standing on our balcony, listening to um, Walsy Matilda being played on the bagpipes, last post, minute silence, and then Ravelli being played on the bugle. Um, and then had breakfast after that and that was pretty much it. Um, but in terms of like other, other years, um, majority of the time, it's usually a pretty, pretty big build up to it. Cause you know, obviously it means a lot to a lot of people. So. Yeah. I think it's a pretty common practice at the moment for no one to be able to be given too much information of the upcoming weeks when no one really knows what's coming. Um, so at the yeah. start, your brother mentioned that you're a corporal in the army. What exactly is that and what does it mean and what's the role that that entails? Um, so depending on the, the core that you're in, so I, I guess that's the group of jobs essentially within the core. Um, me being in the core of transport and my job being driver specialist um, means I'm, a, I'm essentially a section commander uh, in charge of um, you know, several soldiers underneath me that have to um, drive vehicles um, and do things like that um, in different jobs. Like, so for example, my most recent job that I was doing as a recruit instructor, I was a section commander, but it was a very different sort of uh, role, I guess, in terms of what I did as a section commander. Uh, I still had soldiers underneath me, well, recruits. Um, but the the role that they did was completely different. Uh, it was more just like a I guess the basic soldier um, things like that. So as a section commander, I just I'm in charge of you know anywhere between eight to sixteen soldiers underneath me. Um, but basically underneath that, um, you're not really in charge of anything. Um, but basically I'm a I'm a commander of a group of soldiers, essentially. I understand what you, what you mean. Uh, let's uh, move back to a bit of footy talk. Obviously, uh, as everyone in Victoria would be aware, the AFL do their Anzac Day game and all their tributes. From the like an army perspective being in there, what's your thoughts and opinions and feelings towards the AFL doing that? and even the NRL to an extent with their Anzac Day games? Uh, well, it's definitely 
um, it's not a, it's a good thing, like 100%. Um, the, if AFL and NRL didn't do their Anzac Day games, I feel like the, the Anzac Day would not be commemorated as much as what it is. Um, because I guess a lot of people have the, the mentality of, you know, Anzac Day is just another day on a, on a calendar. Um, but, you know, for those people that it actually means something to, it, it, you know, it means a hell of a lot more for the fact that such big organisations are uh, paying their respects on such a large scale um, definitely means a hell of a lot more um, to us. Um, you know, I mean, I know it is only one day of the year, but still it's better than nothing, you know. Um, and if we didn't have those games, um, a lot of people would probably just completely forget about Anzac Day even existed. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that the um, AFL and NRL doing their games definitely makes it a lot bigger occasion and more you know, media mainstream. Uh, speaking of Anzac Day games, we all know the big Anzac Day game that we've had taken away from us was when the St Kilda Carlton Wellington game on Anzac Day a couple of years ago. Mm. Uh, what is your favourite, both of yours? So I know you both have Carlton. Um, your favourite, I know, and again, Essendon, Collingwood, probably your two most hated teams. But do you have a certain moment or game on Anzac Day that you, you know, enjoy or just love re-watching? Uh, well, I think the fact you just hit the nail on the head, the fact that they're Collingwood and Essendon games, I don't think I really... Re- really want to watch any of those games ever again, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't... At the end of the day, I think if it was any other team apart from Carlton... Uh, sorry, say that again. Collingwood and Essendon. Um, I, don't, I don't think the game would have the same impact. Um, I know they've tried to bring in different games um, a couple of years ago where they had other teams playing on the Anzac Day, but I, I feel like just playing games on Anzac Day because it's Anzac Day is just a little bit too much and they need to keep with tradition and just keep Collingwood and Essendon playing on Anzac Day and that's it. God, I really do love that answer. Yeah, I think um, as much as I am a diehard Carlton supporter, I think, like you said, uh, the, the Collingwood-Essendon rivalry and the work those two clubs did to, uh, to promote the Anzac Day, um, you know, initiative that they put together and Kevin Sheedy being a big part behind that and um, Mick Malthouse with his time at Collingwood were very big proponents behind the, the whole Anzac Day clash. Um, you know, the, that Zaharakis late goal um, is this probably is one of the standouts moments I've, I remember, but also actually getting to play in an Anzac Day game myself against uh, we had an Anzac Day clash a couple of years ago against uh, Karen Patterson Lakes and being a part of a game like that where we got to you know where we did the lineup had the, the reading of the poem and the bugle play and stuff and and you know it's 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 nothing like uh, the 22 players that get to line up for Essendon and get to experience but having a little bit of a feeling of what those guys get to experience. And, and you know, like like Dan said earlier, the sort of goosebumps that you get from hearing it sort of um, 
it's a little bit different in knowing that you're then about to go battle against another opposition instead of just sort of hearing it at a dawn service or, or hearing it normally. It sort of a, it gave a, a bit of a different meaning to it and a bit of a different feeling. And it was uh, definitely a highlight of that at that year, even though we didn't get the win. But So yeah. you're telling me that my performance on Anzac Day at the Cobra Pit last year wasn't a highlight of Anzac Day for you, mate? Oh, obviously, any performance of Vet Dogs, uh, that just goes without saying. But, um, yeah, I think the, the first time I got to experience playing at Anzac Day Clash and, and CPL, I'll shout out to them because they did a great job and of uh, getting that together with the, you know, the RS, local RSL and stuff. And it was something we were trying to, going to try and do ourselves this year. But, um, yeah, that was definitely a, a highlight. Yeah, so I remember playing on Anzac Day, I think it might have been about three, four, four years ago. On actual Anzac Day, we played against Black Rock. And even just the lining up, the minutes, I didn't have any of the bugle or anything like that. Just the lining up, the minute silence was enough to sort of get you, you know, feeling, no, understanding what you're playing on that day four. And as you said, no, nothing like the feeling them 22 players from Essendon and Collingwood would get at the G, but yeah, it was something special that day to be able to do that. So what about, you know, you are the Essendon man, so what's been the uh, the Anzac Day highlight for you? Um, obviously not too many in the last couple of years with our record on Anzac Day, but um, probably my Probably my first Anzac Day game I actually went to. It was only probably maybe six years ago. I finally managed to actually go to a game and stand there for all that for the pre-game and minute silence and the national anthem and everything that goes on was just spine-tingling. And it was something that I walked away telling people that don't you don't go for Essendon or Collingwood. doesn't matter. You've still got to experience this sporting event in Australia. It was something just completely different. As for actual on-field moment, your Zaharakis goal you mentioned before. Um, I remember that quite vividly as I was driving home from the footy club, actually, when that happened and had to pull over with excitement from punching the air in the car and everything like that. And then probably <clears throat> one of the games I was there for was uh, Tipper Woody's tackle, I think, two years ago when he chased down Foskin Elliott in the fourth quarter. I was you know, right behind that. And that's yeah, just being there and the... the um, the noise of the crowd when that happened was just unbelievable. All right. Well, uh, thanks for that, dog, And uh, thanks for joining us, Corporal Daniel Logan. Um, or bro. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, thanks for joining us, mate. Um, we appreciate you taking the time on, on, especially on Anzac Day, to talk to us. And I'm sure everyone... Watching will appreciate a bit of an insight into what it is like for a current serving soldier um, on an Anzac Day, and being that it is a bit of a different one this year. Um, but thank you for your time, and yeah, thanks. Good. Thank you, Ed Dog, for co-hosting. Um, yeah, no worries, uh, mate. I um, just want to give a you know, big shout out to the coverage like Dan and past players and even current players who may have served in the Defence Force or past players that have served or are currently serving the Defence Force. 
just want to say a big thank you to you for looking after our country. Um, and uh, we do definitely appreciate it. And for any coverage that have served in the Army, first two beers on the club when you come down to watch a game. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'll just follow that up with, we do appreciate all our serving members, and uh, whether you've been a cobra or not, um, we thank all Australian soldiers and well, and New Zealand soldiers for serving our country and defending it, um, active or not. We thank you all. Um, but we also like to mention to anyone who is struggling through at the moment, it's we, we are in some tough times and, um, there's going to be people struggling. So we just want to mention to, you know, check up on your mates. And if you do need help, there's services out there. So beyondblue.org.au is a great, great website to get resources and services for help. Um, but if you, if you need somebody to talk to straight away, there is Lifeline 13 11 11. Uh, they're also there to help. But let's just all check in on each other. Look after your mates and um, we'll see you next time. And remember that nothing is better than playing at home. Thanks.